we're going to, again, move into the, the biblical narrative right, of what happened on this Friday. We've been working our way through the Gospel of John through the last several weeks, these, these concluding chapters of the Gospel, and, and walking just in, in just each event as we've been going through the last couple of weeks leading up to, to this point. So we're going to be looking at John chapter 19 tonight. If you have your Bible with you, you're welcome to open up, <coughs> excuse me, open up with me to John chapter 19. Uh, and if, if you're with us in person, you don't have your own Bible with you, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats, and you'll see here on the, on the screen is the page number where you can find this passage in those Bibles. But as we open up tonight um, to John 19, and we're going to start with verse 16, and this is where we left off this last Sunday. Um, as, as this concludes the, uh, the, the trial before Pilate, and where Pilate then hands Jesus over uh, to be crucified. And as we saw on Sunday, is where we left it, right? That verse 16 is the conclusion of Pilate's struggle, right? and it's the start of the final phase of Jesus' life. And literally from this point, right, from verse 16, Jesus only has hours left of his life, of his earthly life. So we're going to read verses 16 through 37. Where it says, So then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. And so they took Jesus away. And carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called the place of the skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. And then the leading priests objected and said to Pilate, change it from king of the Jews to he said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate replied, no, what I have written, I have written. And when the soldiers had crucified Jesus... They divided the clothes, his clothes among the four of them, and they also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. And this fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to, his, to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill the scripture, he said, I am thirsty. And a jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked it in, a sponge in it and put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. When he had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and released his spirit. It was a day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was the Passover. So they asked Pilate to, hit, to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken, and then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. And one of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. 
And this report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account, and he speaks the truth so that you also can believe. And these things happened in fulfillment of the scriptures that say, not one of his bones will be broken, and they will look on the one that they have pierced. So as we read, again, the John's account of the crucifixion, we can see that, that John focuses in on a few details. But yet he leaves out some other ones. And yet we, we've already seen in John's writing of how, how he likes to, to foreshadow things and predict things and then point out when they come true. Something that he does, once again, several times in this text. Also, we notice how, how John takes care in not naming himself. That's something he's already done several times in the gospel leading up to this point. And, and here, as he describes the situation, it, he was there. I mean, he was the disciple, right? But he didn't want to use his own name. And, and as, as we read this account, I, I want to start with, with these opening verses. I mean, go back to the beginning of the verses that we read, verses 16 through 18. Where it says, then Jesus turned Pilate over to them to be crucified, and so they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called the place of the skull, in Hebrew Golgotha. And there they nailed him to the cross, and two others were crucified with him, one on either side with Jesus between them. Now, I want, I want to point out these verses because we, we know, right, that Jesus died on a cross. And, and again, to us, that symbol of a cross is something that, that, that we, we like to see. Right? It's, it, it's something that we, we wear as jewelry, that, that we, we have in, as decor in our homes, as around the church, different places. I mean, there's, we, we see the cross, and, and to us, it's, it's a, a positive sign, but that was not the case when Jesus was nailed to it. Because we have to realize that, that death on a cross was Roman capital punishment. In their culture, in their time, a, a cross was not a, a good symbol. A, a, a cross showed of guilt, of, of shame, of, of punishment. It was, it was a symbol of death. It was not a positive thing at all. If you think about today, right, we have capital punishment today still in our country, and other countries do as well. And, and just, just how it is now today, right, is, is that our capital punishment, though, is very humane, right, which, which means that it's quick. That was not the case in Romans, Roman times. Like Romans had come up with lots of interesting ways to torture people and to humiliate them and to, and to kill them in the most humiliating way possible. And crucifixion was their best idea. Crucifixion was designed to be slow. It was supposed to be humiliating. It was, it was designed literally to torture the person until their last moments. Similar to flogging, which as we talked about last week, right, when Pilate had him flogged, that, again, that was designed to torture somebody, to break them into telling the truth. And, and yet, the crucifixion was very similar. However, flogging purposely was not supposed to be lethal, where that was the purpose of crucifixion. Crucifixion was somebody's fate once they had been proven guilty, and they were to be executed. 
It was literally designed to kill you. That was the point of crucifixion. And like I said, at that time, this, this cross was the death, was the symbol of death and of humiliation. And, and just, just as the text describes, right, they, they had very specific places they would crucify people because they wanted it to be very public. Because they wanted it to be a place where you, as you hung there, people could go by and they could yell at you and mock you and make fun of you. And, and, and again, they, they set it up for that purpose. It was on top of a hill, so everybody could see, for public display. Part of it was for the humiliation and torture of whoever was being crucified, but, but it was also a public ec- declaration to everybody else about, don't mess with us, right? You need to, to comply, otherwise you might end up there too. And just as this text tells us, right, that all the Gospels say that they, they nailed him to the cross. And when you came in, you were given a, a, a little nail. And again, this, this was, kind of symbolizes the kind of nail they would use, but not this size. Right, this, I mean, the, the nails they would use would be a couple feet long, but shaped similarly. Right, because these nails needed to go through the person and, and even through the cross to where it would support the weight of, of whoever was being crucified. Because that was the design of crucifixion, right? Is that you would literally hang there by, by your own body. And like I said, it was designed to be slow, so it, it, they had to hold. And, and the way they would nail someone to a cross would be they, they would... They would take these nails, and they, they wouldn't, wouldn't put them through necessarily the palms, like is what you always see you know, portrayed, but, but they would instead go through the wrist, right, in between the, the arm bones, and so then all the, the intricate little bones in your wrist would, would support the weight. And they would take your feet and cross them over on top of each other, and, and one nail through both feet. And as, as they would do this, again, the, the point was that it would be slow and agonizing. As you see, once they were put up there, sometimes they, it, crucifixion was so effective in being slow and, and torturous that, that sometimes they needed to speed up the process. And so one of the ways they would do that is, is that they would, they would go and break the legs of those that were that were hanging on the cross. In fact, again, the text tells us that in, in verse 33. It says, but when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. And so they didn't break his legs. You might wonder, well, why, why would they break their legs? Why would that speed up the process? Well, again, as we think about the cruelty of crucifixion and the humiliation and, again, just the blood loss and, and the pain um, but the, the reality is that when you were crucified on a cross, the, the actual cause of death was suffocation. Because when they would stretch your arms out really far, and, and again, the weaker you got, the more you would sink down. And, and when you, if you raise your, again, your, your arms too high, it, it literally closes your lungs. 
And the weaker they got, the more they would sink. And, and, but yet, in order to get a breath, they would have to push up on their feet right, in order to get a breath, and then they could sink back down. So, of course, you can obviously speed up the process. If you, if you break their legs, they can't push up anymore. Because with crucifixion, again, the suffocation was the cause of death. And we see when they found that Jesus was already dead, in verses 34 and 37, it says, one of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you also may continue to believe. And these things happened in fulfillment of the scriptures that say no one, not one of his bones will be broken, and they will look on the one that they you see, because when the, when the body gives up and, and becomes lifeless, right, we realize that most of our bodies is water. And, and the blood flowing through your body is what keeps it, you know, mixed up. But as soon as that blood stops flowing, it just starts to, starts to decompose. And your blood starts to separate which is what they found with Jesus, realizing that he was already dead. Again, that was their test to make sure that he was already dead. And yet, there was surprise, right, when they came to Jesus. As you can tell, they, like, he can't be dead already. But yet again, they were looking at Jesus, they were expecting him to be dying of, of, of natural causes, of suffocation. But again, if, if everything that Jesus claimed was true, if he really was the way, the truth, the life, if he was dying to make the way to the Father, well, then Jesus didn't die of natural causes. There's a way bigger story going on behind this life. Right, this life, was being given up on purpose. This life was stepping in the place, was paying a penalty that he didn't know. This life was becoming sacrificial lamb. Because the reality is that Jesus didn't die of natural causes. Jesus died of a broken heart. Jesus died of the weight of the world's sin on his soul. Throughout his public life and his public ministry, he showed us the heart of God. And on this Friday... He backed up his words with actions. He died in our place. He died of a broken heart, of the weight with on his soul, of the weight of the world's sin. The weight of my sin, the weight of your sin. 
and all the guilt and the shame that comes with it. That's what killed Jesus. And we see once he was dead, he was confirmed dead. John continues in verse 38. He says, After Afterwards, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. And when Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night, and he brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. And following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so, because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus Do we see here, as, as it's been mentioned leading up, and, and yet the kind of the, the focus of these, these last verses that John tells us about is focused on the fact that it was Jewish Passover. It was late in the day. Right? The, the Jewish days were, were from sundown to sundown, so that the day was ending. And the next day, Saturday, was the Sabbath. And Jews couldn't do any work on a Sabbath. They, they had to get Jesus in the tomb on Friday. But just as the text pointed out, we read it earlier, right? It, it, this wasn't just any Sabbath. This was the Passover. Remember, the Passover in, was, happened first in the book of Exodus, when there were all the plagues before Pharaoh, and the final plague was God's people were told to, to slaughter a lamb, right, to, to eat all of the meat, to, to gather together in specific homes, and, and to take, the, the, again, the, the celebration of this lamb, this special meal, and, then, and yet they would take, were supposed to take the blood of that lamb and and put it around the doorposts of where they were staying that night. And that blood, the blood of that lamb, was the sign for the death angel to pass over that house. And the homes that didn't have that blood on those doorposts, it was the final plague, right? The, all of the Egyptian babies died that night. But not God's people. Because the blood of the Lamb saved them. Now this was a major foreshadow. This was a prediction, a glimpse of God's plan of ultimate redemption of how he was going to save the world. Not only save those Israel, 
Israel's babies that night, but, but again, it played out. As you see in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, again, Jesus' word says, The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life, so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. That was the mission of the Messiah. To lay down his life. To save God's children. And as we see again this, this death on a cross that, that Jesus submitted to. And these words were 100% true. Right? He laid down his life, but for a reason. The reason he laid it down was so that he could take it up again. So that he could fulfill God's plan of redemption of how to save the world. Right? That he could usher in the new covenant of of grace. And it's by that sacrifice, by that blood, that, that we are saved. And in this moment, this, this Passover, is Jesus became the sacrificial lamb for the entire world. He became the sacrificial lamb. And the reality is that's why we don't celebrate Passover today. Is because that was supposed to be, by God's design and plan, that was supposed to be the last Passover celebration. Because now Jesus took the place of the lamb. And by his blood, we are saved. There's this very famous picture, this painting is titled Agnes Dei. That is Latin for God with us. And when we look at this picture, right, this picture is supposed to commemorate our sacrificial lamb. This is a picture of Jesus. And as we look at this picture, I hope that you see love in action. This is a lamb that is bound and destined for slaughter. Jesus says, I, I sacrificed my life so I can take it up again. As we gather tonight on this good Friday, we are here to remember that the Lamb took our place. That by him being sacrificed, we can be saved. 
that Jesus backed up every claim he ever made by submitting to the cross. If you remember earlier in the gospel, earlier in Holy Week on Thursday night, as the disciples celebrated the Passover meal, again, Jesus changed the whole meaning of that dinner. But it was at that dinner where he instituted communion. When he says that you, now, you are now going to do this instead of Passover. And so as we conclude our, our service today, as we, as we commemorate the death of our Savior, our sacrificial lamb, we are going to do communion together. John 19, 30. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. And then he bowed his head 